The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. We will transform the entire port landscape. We realize that there will be a competitions from others. But our confidence comes from our belief in the people of Israel and therefore our belief in the Israel growth story. That was Gautam Adani speaking in Israel last year when he invested in the Haifa port. His empire and ability to churn out IPO candidates is the focus of this week's Viewsroom. Welcome back to the Viewsroom, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. Adani is a fascinating business figure that has captured global headlines over the past year following an audacious short-seller attack. But he has recovered well and is focusing his energy on building companies to list in his home country of India. So I am delighted to be joined today by Una Galani, Asia editor of Breaking Views, as well as Pranav Kiran, a columnist who has been covering this story. Adani is one of Asia's richest men, and he is on a bit of a comeback. Yuna, could you tell us, you've written an awful lot about Adani, all sorts of interesting views about his business and different things that he has done. I just wondered if you could tell our listeners, just just really big picture, who is Adani and how big is his business empire in India? Hi, Amy. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Adani is one of... Well, Adani family is one of India's uh, most powerful families today. But the Adani group, which he sits at the top of, uh, is a group of sort of nine or so listed companies with about $200 billion of market value. It's one of the younger big conglomerates that we have today in India. So we have, you know, the Tata group, the Reliance family, uh, Reliance Industries. These businesses go back further. So Adani is... Uh, very powerful today, very large company, but it's also one of the sort of newer companies. But effectively, he's built up an incredible empire of infrastructure assets. Uh, his, uh, his group is the biggest private operator of many different types of critical infrastructure from ports to airports. And, and most interestingly, his investments in renewable energy and things like green hydrogen sort of widely thought to be the sorts of investments that could help India cut its long-term dependence on oil imports. And, and you know, it's interesting because over the last couple of years or so, as, he's, as his businesses have risen in market value a lot, as he's become uh, a big acquirer of assets, he's also gone into partnership with a lot of multinationals. So he has joint ventures with BP, uh, with Wilmar, for, ex- for example, in some of these listed companies. So he's really, um, he's a very, very well-known uh, figure within India. And as you, as you pointed out, he's become very well-known outside of India too in the last year because of the short-selling attack. And that's what I was just going to say. So this is, the, this is the comeback that we're talking about. Uh, I mean, you, know, you, were, you were really looking at uh, the Adani Group for a while back, looking at, you know, all the different listed entities um, just, I, I suppose, questioning different valuations and things. But but then we saw this short seller attack. And I wondered if you could tell tell our listeners what exactly happened and what were they accusing Adani of? 
Well, so 2023 was probably a year that Adani would rather forget. Um, you know, it started with uh, a short seller attack from Hindenburg Research, um, a US company, and it sent the group into a free fall. I mean, so Hindenburg Research was alleging uh, fraud and stock market manipulation, which of course the Adani group denies. And within sort of a matter of weeks and days, they had wiped out $150 billion of value from this group. Uh, it was a really big roller coaster ride um, for the Adani Group, for Hindenburg Research, but also for India um, because of the sheer amount of critical infrastructure he owns. Um, Adani is also sort of well known uh, because he comes from the state, same state as uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Gujarat, uh, that he's well known to be close to the Prime Minister, as are many tycoons. Um, and it was a very, very difficult time for the group. But we, think that they've actually made the most of the crisis. I mean, their the group valuation is back up close to where it was prior to the attack. Um, the group's paid off a bunch of loans that were backed by his shareholdings. They've adjusted somewhat the pace of expansion. And most importantly, the regulator has scrutinized it. And um, some of those proceedings are still uh, ongoing. But basically, the group, the Adani group, had this huge stress test on its relationship with equity markets, and also with its lenders. And that has removed a lot of doubt about Adani's viability as a partner. Because prior to that, I think, you know, the companies that he he has in his group, some of them were trading on 200 times price to earnings multiples, and they'd rocketed up. And I think people were a bit circumspect about, you know, what was really going on there. And now they've had this big stress test, and they've come out of it in rather fine shape. I mean, they still have some way to go, but rather fine shape. I think, you know, they're borrowing again from the banks. They've really had quite the comeback. Pranav, I'll bring you in here because I think it would be really nice to just get some kind of nitty gritty detail on some of these companies that that Adani has incubated. And, you know, that as, as Eunice said, maybe the, the, the valuations are a little bit more down to earth now. I just wonder if you could tell us what are some of the best examples of those companies and how they're doing? Uh, so, Amy, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the Adani uh, flagship company, Adani Enterprises, sort of builds itself as an um, in- incubator along the lines of something like a Y Combinator. And, uh, you know, in its corporate history over a decade and a half, um, you know, it's uh, incubated and uh, separately listed uh, some half a dozen companies, uh, you know, in areas like uh, you know, solar solar energy and ports, shipping ports, for instance, uh, thermal power. These are just some of the examples. Uh, and you know, most of those companies have uh, beaten uh, you know shareholder returns uh, when you put them side by side with the broader um, you know country index. And uh, it's now incubating another batch of uh, companies in. Um, critical areas like, you know, green energy, uh, airports, roads, and, uh, you know, data centers. So that's basically the story of Adani's incubation. I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Adani group as well, and particularly this flagship company that Pranav is talking about, Adani Enterprises, is that its core business is coal. And um, so it's really interesting because you have a company that's sort of very well valued by the market. I mean, there's not very many coal companies in the world that are 
loved by investors. But it's sort of, and that's where it's sort of making uh, a lot of its money. But it's basically also using the strength of that business, the operational strength of that business, to fund these new businesses in all these hot sectors that Pranav is talking about, you know, green, uh, tech, infrastructure, et cetera. And so data warehouses. And that's all like, so that kind of really helps this group get this sort of quite incredible valuation, even though at its core, it has a coal business. It's amazing to be like out of the ashes is growing these green companies. It's, it's kind of amazing. But I was kind of curious then, I mean, globally, we are in an IPO rut. I think many bankers would agree. Um, but Pranav, what you're talking about there is is really he's got another round of companies that he's that he's sort of maturing and looking after. I mean, are we likely to see some IPO activity in the near term from from him, you know, basically getting these companies out into the market? Uh, so, Amy, uh, if you look at this group CFO's comments, uh, you know, they expect uh, these businesses to be ready to, uh, you know, go public uh, over the next few years. Uh, you know, three to five years is what uh, they think. And uh, the size of these businesses is quite large. For instance, if you look at the airports business, uh, it is currently the biggest airport operator in the country. So uh, these assets and these deals will be quite large uh, and uh, they will sort of be able to, you know, test the appetite the market appetite for Adani companies. I think India, you know, it's worth remembering India is a huge country. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of airports to play for. He already owns, I think, six. Is that right, Pranav? But, um, you know, I think it's uh, there's, a, there's a lot more runway there for him to grow. And, and Pranav talked a little bit about the valuation, but it's it's quite incredible that people are sort of, valuing this business at something like 70 billion. Adani Enterprises, this big incubator, at over $70 billion. You know, that's in their kind of what they call the sum of the parts valuations. That is a massive like 60% more than the company is really worth today. So there's a sort of huge amount of value to unlock from that business. But there's also this sense that I guess the market doesn't fully recognize that yet. So I guess, you know, we'll have to see how quickly they're prepared to do that. But a lot of people are now backing on and sort of, you know, a lot of the main street sort of research outfits are all sort of backing on to that big, big number behind this, behind this group. Just in terms of the IPO market in India, is it as dormant as we're seeing in the US and Europe? Um, well, the Indian IPO market has always been lumpy. You know, it's not like Hong Kong, Europe, the US, like firm fixtures on the capital markets sort of uh, global calendar. But that said, I think, no, I, the answer is Indian capital markets are fairly busy at the moment. They've been it, a lot of small companies have been coming to market. And this year is expected to be a very big year for the Indian capital market because we will have more uh, IPOs coming, uh, including one from uh, Swiggy, which is prob- which is sort of like the, I don't know, the Uber Eats. It's like the Deliveroo of India. Uh, here they have a duopoly. So Swiggy's one half of that duopoly and its, it's, it's peer is already listed. That will be a big business. Uh, that'll be a big offering. We'll also get a couple of listings potentially from 
the Reliance Group, which is run by Mukesh Ambani, uh, another big family. Uh, currently, he is Asia's richest man, um, although I think Adani and Ambani vie for the, you know, sort of swapping positions every other week. Um, but I think, you know, we'll have a couple, we'll probably have retail IPO from them and possibly a telecom IPO from them as he starts to sort of divide up his group uh, and split it amongst his three children as sort of part of his sort of grander succession planning. So there are quite a big, I think we'll also have Ola Electric, which is a sort of two-wheel, two-wheeler kind of like electric scooter type company. So we'll sort of see, uh, see those companies coming to market. I mean, of course, some of it will depend on the global capital markets. But India also has this habit of doing its own thing. So I think if if things sort of stay as they are globally, it's possible that you will see India uh, get some of these big IPOs. If things you know do turn really bad in the US uh, and Europe and they get worse, then I think it may prove to be a drag. But the Indian stock market is sort of near record high. Valuations are expensive, but they always have been expensive. They've been expensive for since I came to India many years ago. So I think um, there's a lot of captive capital in India. Uh, and this speaks to some of the big valuations at Adani, right? There's a lot of captive capital here. People, there are capital controls. People can't take their money overseas that easily or a lot of it. So there's a there's a lot of people putting money into the market for the first time, domestic shareholders. And obviously the foreign shareholders, are, especially the Asia funds, are looking for places to invest outside of China and mm. India, Japan, you know, India's right up there on that list of other places to go to. So I think, you know, I think it could be an interesting year for capital markets in India. And I think it could be the year where India sort of really does like shine quite brightly uh, when it's usually like playing far below second fiddle to Hong Kong. It could be a year where they actually, you know, beat Hong Kong in the IPO rankings. And I mean, is the is it fair to say then, you know, that, that the Hindenburg crisis, if you will, is behind Adani? As in, if, if, and if that's true, what do you, and, and Pranav, I'd like to bring you in here as well, what do you expect to be the next chapter for him? I, I hesitate to say it's ever behind because, you know, there's a, the regula- regulators sort of, regulatory risk always has a bit of a fat tail. So, you know, particularly in emerging markets where, regulators can become more active or not, depending on, you know, which government is or isn't in charge. I mean, I think broadly, uh, you know, we have elections coming up in, in the next few months in India, national elections. Uh, Modi, Prime Minister Modi is widely expected to win, so I don't think there's a real big change coming. But I think I think Adani has weathered most of the regulatory risk. There is still a little bit of concern about the small free floats. So in terms of like the next chapter as well as part as well as you know bringing you know nurturing these businesses that uh, as people are starting to pay more attention to now that the short sort of the worst of the short seller attack is behind him the other thing that they will really um be looking to do is to see if they can do capital markets transaction at some point so that's the missing part here adani's placed a lot of stock with friendly investors, institutions in the last uh, few months uh, and year or so. But what we haven't seen is another real test of the capital markets. So I think uh, the equity capital markets. So I think if there was a big share offering, it would also sort of be another way of sealing or draw, you know, drawing a line under this crisis. But as I said, I think regulatory risk 
never really goes away. Well, Yuna Pranav, lovely to talk to you today. And thank you so much for your time. A fascinating conversation. And given Adani's plans, I think we'll probably be talking again very soon. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on BreakingViews.com and on X, where our handle is at BreakingViews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.